0: Welcome to episode 212 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I'm your host Canada. We've got a great episode for you here today. Um, I want to start out by saying that I got some really really good news about my dad yesterday. He went in for some tests and we were really worried. Something came up on his uh, chest x-ray and we weren't sure. You know, you don't know if it's it could be the worst case scenario. It could be cancer. Uh, he's battling walking pneumonia a couple weeks ago, and it seems like it's just a leftover um, residue from that. So thank God. We were all really nervous. So we I, I can't tell you. I can't tell you. I think you guys picked up on it on my last episode. When life hits and really, really important things hit, uh, it's amazing how quickly Uh, caring about pinball and all these other things that are our hobbies in life, how quickly those things dissipate and everything is put into perspective. Um, But super, super happy to get that good news. All right, you know, something that I I constantly try to do on this show is I try to make this show as good as I can. You know, we're not gonna rest on our laurels. I'm glad that you guys voted this, the, the favorite pinball podcast on the Twippy Awards this year. But I've been thinking, you know, there's a lot of really stiff pinball competition out there in the podcast world, right? There's like 38 pinball podcasts now that are all broadcasting uh, every week. And, you know, I don't have time to listen to all them, but one of them that's been really, really on my radar lately has been head-to-head pinball. And I don't know if you you guys listen to Marty and, and Ryan over there, but I'm just fascinated how they can actually fill two hours a week with each podcast and, and 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 how do they do it, right? I mean, I come on my show and, and I, I can barely fill an hour. So I was just I was curious how do you make a pinball podcast last two hours long? And so I listened to a bunch of their episodes and I realized how they do it. So here's how you get a two hour pinball podcast. You talk about pinball for a half hour. And then you add in a laugh track for an hour and a half. Okay, it's amazing how they've done it. You know, you remember when we used to watch old sitcoms on TV and we knew it was recorded in front of a studio audience, but they would add in that laugh track whenever there was a joke or some silence? And these guys have mastered the art of that. So I've spent the last few weeks negotiating behind the scenes with Marty and Ryan over at Head to Head Pinball Uh, and I I am here today to officially announce that I have secured the exclusive rights to the Head to Head Pinball Marty Robbins laugh track. That's right. I've secured the rights. So what that means now is on my show. I am the only pinball podcast that is, can officially use uh, a special exclusive laugh track from Marty himself on my show. Now, you might be asking yourself, what does that mean? How is this laugh track going to be incorporated into Canada's Pinball Podcast? And look, I'm going to use it the same way it's used on head-to-head pinball, uh, which means I'm going to say something. It's probably not going to be that funny, and then hilarious laughter will ensue, much like it does on head-to-head pinball. Have you ever listened to the show? It's like it's like they're just cracking up whenever they say anything. So what I wanna do right now is I wanna test if my money was well spent, and I wanna say a few pinball things and see if the Marty Robbins head-to-head pinball lap track will pick up on it and, and, and fill the airwaves with hilarity. Okay, let's try it. Okay. All right, I heard the next pinball machine is going to be Iron Maiden. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, it seems to be working. Um, after Iron Maiden, I heard that Deadpool is probably coming out sometime in the summer from Stern. <laughs> it's making the it <laughs> All right, well, it seems to be working pretty well. I-, I think I got my money's worth. Let's test it on the ultimate mundane statement we can possibly say and see if my marty robbins lap track picks up on it all right you ready watching pinball tournaments is a lot of fun (laughs) awesome it's working perfectly i'm so happy what a great investment don't ever say that i'm not trying to make this show as good as possible for you out there so we're gonna make that a constant addition to canada's pinball podcast you don't know when the laugh track will happen uh but i can guarantee you it will happen when nothing funny is said and we might actually be able to get this podcast closer to two hours long if we inundate it with, with with constant laughter when things are not funny all right are you welcome are you are you are you ready it's going to be awesome. All right, let's go down the pinball news this week. And and we're at that point now where there's just not a lot of news. Okay, right before TPF, I think everyone is sort of holding their cards close to them and they're not revealing anything. But we know pretty much what we're going to see at TPF. But I want to go down certain things that have happened this week in the world of pinball. Uh, what was interesting, I, I saw an interview with Keith Elwin, on the Slam Tilt podcast, and you know Keith is is um, is is making Iron Maiden. It's probably the worst kept secret. He's making Iron Maiden. Zombie Yeti is on the game, and I think what's interesting about Keith is he's not just an amazing pinball player. Uh, he hasn't just designed a game. He's also working on the rule set of 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 Iron Maiden. Now, I don't think there's many people out there that do all of that. He's sort of like this renaissance pinball designer player slash, uh, you know, coder in a way. He knows, and I think that's really interesting because when you're designing a game and you have the modes in mind and you have how you want the game, not just to shoot, but how you want that experience to be. And you're also a really good player who knows how to make games uh, approachable for both experienced players and casual players, I think there's a lot of uh, excitement to see what Keith Elwin's Iron Maiden ends up becoming. But I wanna read something that he wrote um, or he said in the Slam Tilt uh, interview. He said, to me, four or five modes is perfect. If you make those four or five modes fun and you tackle them different ways, different strategies, to me, that is a lot more fun than 18 of the exact same mode. Not that I'm dropping any hints on what that game is. All right, so we've said it many times on this podcast that I think that a lot of the coding that goes on with certain manufacturers is just over the top, it's too much. And I think when he says four to five, uh, that's really interesting because look at what Jersey Jack is promoting in terms of Pirates of the Caribbean is gonna have 125 modes. And you're like, what, How, how can you have 125 modes? And I think the way you can have 125 modes is if if they're all just little like mini modes and you're probably going to be doing a lot of the same stuff and the same shots if you have that many going on, right? So I think four to five, to me, I've always said it, I, I, I think you don't need that many. You don't need that many. And uh, Iron Maiden sounds like it's going to be a game that isn't super, super complex, um, but is going to have a lot of fun and, and, and depth to it. But again, I, I know nothing, but this is coming from Keith. So it's his game, so we can probably expect that, all right? All right, what else is going on in the pinball world? So Stern, Stern, uh, we have seen photos of ACDC Lucy editions have been shipping to customers. And I have to say this, I have to say this, um, it's a sweet game. I mean, ACDC Lucy edition, I think has always been the best art package that you could get with ACDC. I know some people are not fans of of the color tone on the woman on the side of the game, Uh, but I think if you look at all the ACDCs lined up in a row, I still think Lucy uh, has the most visual pop and obviously has the most sex appeal. Uh, And, you know, look, I would rather see other games having Vault Edition treatments right now, uh, but I can't argue that If you wanted an ACDC, the fact that Stern is now offering Lucy Editions again uh, with some improvements, I think you should go grab one of those machines. Now, how many of them are they making? That's an interesting question I have because Lucy was never a limited edition game. Uh, They just didn't make many of them because it came after Stern made so many other limited edition versions of ACDC. So I am curious because I think there was a lot of rumors that they're only going to make 200 or 400. And a lot of that rumors, uh, a lot of those rumors led people to sort of chase down distributors and try to get on a list for a Lucy. But we all know that Stern will make as many ACDC Lucys as they get orders for. They will. I don't think this is just a parts bin exercise. I think they're going to want to make as much money as they can. All right. Did you guys see the news that only 10 months waiting and you might get your Star Wars topper. This has got to be the biggest joke. I mean, when you really think about the fact that Star Wars came out 10 months ago, and the topper for the game is still not available, and we know that Stern worked on Star Wars Pinball for almost two years with Disney to get approval for stuff in the game what the hell happened with this topper there has to be a story that goes with this topper delay i mean did stern just completely fumble making this r2d2 projection topper uh, like a year ago and disney's made them go back and forth is it just a production issue uh, i don't know all i know is it's going to be 500 dollars it interacts with the game whatever that means. You know, when toppers interact with the game, you, you never notice it. I mean, toppers are for people who are spectating. They're, they're beautiful to look at when your game is off. Um, but for the most part, when you're actually playing a pinball machine, I think the last place you end up looking is what's going on with the topper right now. Uh, but I hope you guys who have Star Wars who want to complete your Star Wars package are happy with the R2-D2 topper. I, I can't believe it's taken this long. Uh, all right. You know, it wouldn't be an in, in episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast if I didn't talk about Batman 66. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it turns out when I've been speculating that Batman 66 SLE owners were eventually going to get their individual name called out when it said, get to the bat phone, right? And, I, and we heard that Stern promised this to SLE owners when they went in on, on this super expensive $15,000 machine. Now I received an email from someone who basically said to me that, yes. Adam West did record uh, personalized messages to everyone who bought an SLE and those would ultimately be unlocked within the code eventually. Now, I've always said, I think Lyman is waiting to make this the final sort of icing on the cake for those who waited for so long for this machine to mature. But also in the email from this gentleman, he gave me the sound clip of Adam West saying, Chris, like, get to the bat phone. And I, and I just lucked out that I bought Chris Marquette's Batman SLE because it would have sucked if, if, if I bought someone else's and it's like, Tony, get to the bat phone. I'm like, oh, man, fuck, man, I got to hear that every time. <laughs> so let me play for you now what it sounds like when Adam West is going to call out someone's name to get to the bat phone right here. I have it. Chris, get the bat phone. You know, I maybe would have had him say it a little bit slower, uh, but it's very cool that this is going to be something that I think differentiates these games. And I've said it before I think people who own SLEs and when they have their own personalized call out, uh, I I think people are going to be holding on to these games for a very long time. So. Um, Yeah, I mean let's see what happens. We're still on code just 0.88 with Batman so there's a a lot more exciting stuff to come. I think people are really looking forward uh, to Batgirl being coded into the game Uh, and who knows what else Lyman has up his sleeve with this game. So super exciting to see what happens with more Batman code updates. So. Stern Pinball we all know Iron Maiden is going to be revealed at Texas Pinball Festival hopefully Um, after that we're probably looking at a summer release for Deadpool and then we're probably looking at a Beatles or something else happening in November holiday so Stern had they released three sort of major titles remaining in 2018 and we're looking at March April Then we're looking at August, September for the next one. And then we're looking at November holiday for the third one. So they always sort of have these three tentpole titles. All right. Chicago gaming. You know, there's a new thing that people are complaining about in the Chicago gaming thread. And that is that some people have received their Attack from Mars remakes without the key fob. Oh my God. Hey, let's start a class action lawsuit because I got my $8,000 pinball machine and it didn't come with a goddamn key fob. A little piece of plastic for me to put my game keys on. How come I didn't get one and this guy got one? This is so unfair. It's so sloppy. What's happening over there at Chicago Gaming? Where? Well, you know, I don't want to do a whole nother Pinside Babies episode, but when I saw people complaining about a damn lack of key fob, you got to be kidding me. You absolutely have to be kidding me. Do key fobs matter that much in, in 2018 when it comes to your new inbox pinball experience? No, they shouldn't. All right? All right, let's move on. So here's something interesting. When I was reading uh, This Week in Pinball, it seems that Charlie Emery is very, very excited to release uh, Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle. In fact, he's he's so confident that he's got this amazing game that he said the following. He, he wrote, or he said in his podcast, We've said a lot of things about this game, but there is a lot more we haven't said. And I think some other podcasts will be twisting and turning if they knew some of the things we know right now. Ooh, such a spooky, mysterious thing to say, Chuck. Wow, we're going to be twisting and turning. Let me tell you something, Charlie. I know you're like sort of taking somewhat of a little bit of a dig at podcasts, and maybe you're not, but here's what I think you're saying. It's like that you guys have been talking some smack and this game's actually going to be good. And here's here's my point of view on, on, on Spooky Pinball and Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle. Good. I hope it's good. I hope this game is impressive because up till now, none of the games have been that great. And I think everyone has felt that way. And we want you to make a game that is really good, that is really exciting, that has innovation, that has actual like, stuff going on, that's, that's innovative, that's new, that's, that creates a wow moment for people. Cool, great, you finally got there. All pinball machines should strive to accomplish that. I hope that I'm twisting and turning. It's such a weird, like, what does that mean? I'm going to be, oh, I'm twisting, I'm turning oh. God, you know, I can't believe what they put into Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle. Which begs the question, what is in the game that is going to make all of us twist and turn? What are the innovations going to be? What are the toys? What are the mechs? We haven't really heard that much about the game. So I look forward to seeing it at TPF. But then again, Charlie goes on to say, Uh, You know, they're supposed to reveal the game Saturday at 4 o'clock. And then he goes on to say that they might actually reveal it earlier because of all the people there on Friday and all the excitement. And I kind of agree with him. I also think that there's no way they'll be able to keep everything under wraps uh, by Saturday at 4 o'clock because once you get all these pinball nerds into one place at one time, leaks start happening and people start spoiling everyone's reveals. Just like last year when Charlie told a bunch of people that it was Alice Cooper and then it, it found its way into my podcast because you know what, as I say, like, People can't contain the excitement and that's what happens in this industry, but it's no big deal. It's no big deal. It's been an entire year from announcement to reveal, which is good. I I think we're we're excited because I also am hearing that Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle is going to be shipping very, very shortly, like it's going on the line. I heard in, in late March, early April. So that, that's going to be exciting. I'm, 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 finally, I, I'm, I'm finally excited because I think they're listening to the realities of how to launch a pinball machine. you got to reveal it and then be able to take people's money and ship games in a short window. You can't reveal like eight months out and then wait. It just makes no sense. The hype is going to be super high at TPF and people will be throwing Charlie their money if what they see is impressive. And if Charlie can get people those games in a short time period, uh, more orders will keep coming in. That's what people want to see. They don't want to wait for pinball because they'll just go buy something else. Now, it's going to be a very, very competitive marketplace when we think about all the games vying for your money coming out of TPF, right? I mean, you're going to have Charlie Emery wanting to sell you Alice Cooper's nightmare castle. You're going to have, uh, like Chicago Gaming wanting to sell you Monster Bash Remake. You're going to have Stern Pinball wanting to sell you Iron Maiden, also Lucy Vault Edition, also Batman 66, also Star Wars, also Aerosmith, blah, 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 blah. all the Stern games. They want to sell you everything they have. Um, you're going to have American Pinballs trying to sell you Houdini. You're going to have uh, you know, CoinTaker probably taking orders for Alien and the Big Lebowski. God, I can't even believe I'm saying that. Um, you're going to have the Pitch and Bat games that are going to probably be there wanting your money. Uh, what, who am I missing? Jersey Jack Pinball is going to want to take your money for Pirates of the Caribbean and sell you some dialed ins. Uh, a lot of pinball. A lot of pinball out there right? I mean, it's crazy when you start to list them all out and there's not, there's not going to be uh, enough money in the marketplace to keep all of those titles flying off the shelves. It, there's just not going to be the case. All right. So speaking of flying off the shelves and getting your game, I want to do something right now that I'm going to call I'm, uh, the highway pinball, the Broadway play. And if you read the highway pinball thread, it's, it's really, you know, I think what's happened in the last couple days has sort of summarized for me what happens with all of these pinball companies that struggle to get product to consumers. And the reason why I'm calling it Highway Pinball, the Broadway play, is that for these stories to develop, you need characters that always play the same roles time and time again. Now, here are the characters that I see being in, in, in Highway Pinball, the Broadway play. Uh, you've got the pre-order customer. This is the individual that went in on the game years ago and was so confident and super excited for the theme that they paid up front or they gave a deposit years in advance for their game because they believed everything that the manufacturer said. So you've got that individual on stage. Then you've got the manufacturer. You've got someone who works in-house at the company that, and their role uh, initially is to sell you on the hype to get your money. And then their role is to go radio silent for months, if not years. Then their role uh, is to assure you everything is okay, even though nothing is actually okay. So that's the manufacturer's role. Uh, Then you have the coder. The, you know, the guy who chimes in every once in a while with some code updates but completely ignores everybody screaming about where the fuck their game is. So you got that guy, played by Ferret. Um, then you've got The Shill. The Shill is a really important character up on stage during Highway Pinball, the Broadway play. Uh, because The Shill is the guy that convinces everybody that all is good in Rome, that nothing is wrong with the company, that if you just wait You'll get your game. That The worst thing you can do is to complain or try to get your money back because then the company will surely collapse and you're the one to blame because you wanted your game back. Now, the other thing about the shill is the shill often has a game. He gets his product before everybody else and he convinces everybody that it's the greatest thing ever. And whenever the, the pin side thread or whenever the community or the mob is ready to attack the manufacturer, the shill is the first one to come in and upload photos of the game and how beautiful it is and how you need to stay in on it. And trust me, it's worth it, right? So that's the shill. Um, and then you have the the pre-order buyer who, who flip-flops his opinion. So this is the guy who is mad as hell. He's mad as hell and he's not gonna take it and he's not gonna stop until he gets his game and then he flip-flops because he gets an email. So you got that guy, usually played by Iceman. Okay, and, so, and then you have the, the Johnny come lately. The last guy on stage, he's the guy who rocks up to the party at the very end of this whole boondoggle and is able to like buy a game out from underneath all the people who are waiting. He's the guy who cuts the line with fresh cash, right? These are all the characters that are on stage. That guy's usually played by Pinball Lawyer on Pinside. He's the guy who comes in, and, and part of the role of being the Johnny Come Lately is you have to um, you have to rub it in everybody's face that you got a game that they've been waiting years for, and you've only had to wait a couple months. So that's part of like that character's role. <laughs> 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 okay so i want to read for you guys highway highway pinball the broadway play i want to read you some of the script that is actually coming directly um from what people have been writing on pin side and and here's here's what happened and again i think this again absolutely summarizes uh how these companies continue to get away with this stuff so first we saw that Pinball Lawyer started a thread that he was getting a alien LE from Cointaker and he recently paid for it and it's on its way to Cointaker. And then that set off a whole bunch of people being like, this is bullshit. Like, how did you cut the line? Uh, Iceman in particular. Uh, And so here's what happened. So Iceman writes, I have had a deposit for four years and they can take that money and shove it up their ass asses as far as I'm concerned. I'm not going to be held hostage by them or CoinTaker. All right. Then then comes in um, Eve from Pinside and he writes interest in Alien in the UK is pretty much zero, which is ridiculous considering they are made here. They only have themselves to blame Though, good luck with a second game. I can't see anyone pre-ordering after this shambles, all right? Then, entering to stage left. I believe this is Dave Sanders, which is slam tilt on pin side. He comes in, yes, I completely agree. This whole situation has been handled poorly. Game number three is in development, but no way in hell are we making any announcement until everything that's wrong with the Alien fiasco is fixed. And we can and will fix it. Will anyone buy game number three? Right now, I'd say not a chance or at least not in any significant number. We have to fix this, rebuild our reputation, start over. And, in all, and it all starts with making sure our games are reliable and backed up with a solid support structure. To be frank, Andrew was Only ever a half-decent salesman, much like David Brent from The Office. In fact, exactly like David Brent from The Office. Completely hopeless at managing a company, and we've been dealing with the shit storm he left behind. We've all come so close to losing our jobs so many times over the past few years, and many have quit Those that remain are completely committed to making this work. It would be very easy for us just to say fuck it and close the doors and move on. But we're not doing that. We have a plan and there is a future for this company. If it helps, and it helps me, open your window right now, stick your head out and scream I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. Okay, then Dave Sanders exits to stage left. Then Pinsider, uh, Dur- Durzell comes in, right? And he's like, this is like the half-chill character. He, he says the following, Communication is key, Dave Sanders. Posts like this help to reassure people, even though ultimately you haven't given any concrete details of shipments etc okay let me stop there this is the kind of bullshit i don't get he comes in and says it's it's so great that you said absolutely nothing to us you gave us absolutely no hard information about anything but you know what communication is great i'm so happy you talked woohoo and you gave us nothing but- <laughs> I mean, right. I mean, this happens all the time. It's like we praise these manufacturers just for speaking. And this was what Andrew Highway learned for years is if he just said stuff but didn't back it up with any action, he could settle the mob. And we see that still going on in the Highway Pinball thread in March of 2018, all right? And then what happens next is after, so you got Dave Sanders, he says something, then someone comes back on and says, you know, you're a great man for talking even though you said nothing. And then the shill enters onto the stage. Now the shill this time is Pinside user Delt31. And if you go read the thread, all this happens in the exact order I'm, I'm saying it right now in Highway Pinball, the Broadway play. Delt 31 comes on in the middle of all these people arguing about are LE shipping are they not and he does what every shill does is he posts beautiful photos of his alien machine with his Eli blades installed and look how beautiful alien is and you're gonna love this game and it's gonna be totally worth the wait so that's what the shill does okay then ferret the little, you know, the little weasel coder comes in, and instead of like answering people's questions about what the fuck is going on at Highway Pinball, uh, he then pops in with the with his little like code update, trying to solve one guy's little code problem, while hundreds of people who don't have their games are like, "Where the fuck is my game?" And Ferret doesn't say anything. It's like, it's like, it's like so funny. He's like doing jumping jacks in the corner while the whole goddamn like apartment's on fire. All right. And then you have, uh, let's see, then you have Iceman. Okay, this is this is my favorite part is the flip-flopping of Iceman is one of my favorite things to read on Pinside. And he'll admit it. He'll admit it. I mean, this guy is like all against them. Like, I'm. this is bullshit. Remember, he said, I'm not going to be held hostage. I'm not going to like, they can shove the money up their asses. And then within like a 24-hour period, he writes, update. Received reply from Morgan right away. Very encouraging email. They are working towards satisfying both the coin taker shipment and early private buyers, in quotes. What that means exactly will be communicated shortly. Shortly, Iceman, it's March of fucking 2018. You paid for your game, you put your deposit down four fucking years ago, and you believe them when they say shortly? Let me tell you something, the word shortly isn't in the vocabulary of highway pinball and Dutch pinball. Nothing has ever happened shortly. And here's the best part, is after Iceman posts that, Pinside user Bemit chimes in, and Bemit is the character of reason in our play. He is the person who, you know what, he sees through the bullshit. He's been down the road before, and Bemit chimes in with, let me preface this update with, I received the almost identical update about early private buyers about three to four weeks ago. And I'm guessing their new standard answered to questions regarding it. And it made me feel better at the time, but that wore off quickly. No new information since then. Obviously, there's to hoping shortly will be soon. And this isn't just them pushing off people again with the same BS stock answers, but I'm not holding my breath for anything highway related. All right. See, there it is. There it is in a nutshell. The the typical every month is the same month for these companies it's not going to end well why do you guys think they're going to be able to make all of these games and make everybody whole like where's the money going to come from and even if it does happen all right like even if it does happen congratulations you waited four five six years for a game that will never be worth it all right Alien Pinball is not that good. It's an OK game. It's an OK game. It's not great. All right, put an Alien Pinball next to Pirates of the Caribbean. All right, put put it put them next to each other, and you tell me that that wide-body alien plays as good as Pirates of the Caribbean. You you, you I mean seriously, this this whole game from the very beginning has been built in a compromising way. And it's just okay. And look, I'd be fine with that. It's a theme that people love and they want, but is it worth it? All this bullshit, all this sort of fiasco that never ends. And then at the end of the thread, you get another voice of reason from Jones B, JB. And he says, I understand that they are shipping LEs to new money to keep the company afloat but how are they tracking accounting for the specific numbers people have reserved to make sure the pins end up in the right hands? That's a great question. That is a very good question. And you know what? They won't answer that question. Okay. You're going to get this selective response. You're going to get standard emails from the company to people. And it's just, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, But this play will keep on going because people will keep on flip-flopping and people will keep shilling and the pain will never end when it comes to highway pinball. All right. Let's see if I got any listener feedback and then we're going to call it a wrap as we wait to get to TPF. So I got an email. Let's see. I'm pulling up my emails now. Thank you guys for chiming in. I got an email from... uh, the subject head was Mezel. He said, hi, Chris. In the Mezzel rant, she forgot about the Second Amendment. She can't use the post office either. It's the Constitution. All right. Well, I guess that's referring to Mezel saying they're not going to use FedEx uh, when they said they're going to not support people that support guns. And what he's saying is, well, then if Mezzel Mods is going to say they're not going to use any shipping company that is in support of firearms, That the U.S. post office is run by the government and the second constitution or the second amendment in the constitution supports the right to bear arms. So that is actually a very good point. That is a very good point that you can still look hypocritical if you use the U.S. post office. See, that is the problem when you start to combine politics and pinball and it's a very slippery slope, right? All right. I got an email from Nicholas Nicholas Manaud, uh, I think you pronounce his last name Nicholas. Thank you for listening to Kenya's Pinball Podcast. He wrote, "Hey Chris, I hope you're going. Uh, I hope you're going well. I also hope I'll be able to offer you a drink during the TPF next week. You often speak about soundtracks, callouts and pinball machines, and how these can be crucial to immerse the player into the game. I think the following new product pod, sorry podcast will interest you." Indeed, the guy is very good at explaining how a simple melody like the beginning of Star Wars theme or Indiana Jones melody can bring a lot of emotions and can suggest a lot of things in the narrative of a movie. All right, and he has a link to a podcast called The Soundtrack Show. Well, Nicholas, thank you so much. I mean, look, we all agree that music is super important in pinball and callouts are super important in the pinball experience. And, you know, we, we really hope that when we get a licensed theme game, it contains the actual theme song from that license. And we also hope that the actors who contributed to those properties would also lend their voices nicely to pinball. My fear is that that a lot of the new pinball machines coming out are going to be these sort of half assed compromise approaches to those themes. And I think we're just going to have to take what we get. I think we we complain about it a lot, but there's nothing else we can do. All right, I got an email from from Don Don Sedan, and Don wrote, "Hi Chris or hey Chris, just listen to your latest podcast and I totally disagree." about owning a game that comes out in public that you can't really play them because they have the tilt so tight, you barely can nudge the machine and it tilts. Okay, what he's saying is that I've said that, look, you should go play a game before you buy it. And you should go out on location and play the game before you buy it. And what he's saying is, when you go play a game on location, you can't really play it because you can't nudge it because it tilts. he also wrote, I've attached a screenshot of my new high score on The Walking Dead. P.S. I just picked up a Playfield Protector for Game of Thrones LE for a good deal and looking to resale for $110. bucks. All right. Probably going to put it up on eBay. Okay. So I think he bought one, but I don't know. I, I don't know. Okay. His high score on The Walking Dead is $176 million. I have no idea if that's good or not. Certain pinball machines go to a billion. Certain don't. I don't think that's a good score, <laughs> knowing that most Sterns are always in the billions. Um, look, Don, I think that you should just play pinball before owning it. it regardless, if you can go find one at a bar or a uh, you know a, a a tournament night somewhere or an expo or someone's home, I do think nobody would ever say, you know what. I never should have played this first. I should have just bought it. So I think playing pinball uh, before forking over thousands of thousands of dollars is the way to go. (laughs) All right. I also got – sometimes people will leave me comments on uh, my SoundCloud page. So if you want to – you can also do that. If you want to leave a comment on the SoundCloud page under each episode, I will read some of those as well. I got one from a Cameron Van. He wrote – I have to say your Houdini review was spot on. Joe is a great guy and we all love him, but he's seriously lacking in the shot smithing department. Houdini is still a good game thanks to build quality, price, and features, which is largely due to Josh's rule set. Again, this is a good and honest review. As you said, we all so badly want to ball check Stern so we over enthusiastically cheer anyone who is putting up some competition against Stern. Well, look, I, I, I've i said it, you know, people are not fully satisfied with Stern machines and they never will be because I think Stern machines are all overpriced. I don't think anything you get in a Stern machine is worth like eight $9,000, right? And I think Stern machines still feel like the five to six, thousand dollar machines they are, and I look, I, I say this as I look at a $15,000 Batman, and yes, it is stupid to buy that, but you know the reasons why I bought it. It's I only have one machine, and I do like having something that's at least like rare. But do I think Batman 66 is worth the money? No, I, I just don't think any of these machines are. It's crazy that they do hold their value, and they actually kind of do when the games are popular, uh, but I think people are desperate for someone to come out and really make either Stern up their ante or deliver an alternative. Now, the good news is there's a lot of alternatives now to Stern. And there's a lot of really good pinball machines coming out that I think Stern has to start taking notice and stop with the whole quantity versus quality approach to pinball where like one game is good, two games are bad, one game is good, two games are bad. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know if they just keep in the line moving to me. It would make much more sense if Stern would just make two to three amazing games a year. Um, or even just one or two a year would be enough and people would just keep buying it because of how good the game was. All right, let's see if I got any more feedback from you guys. Oh, I gotta get to work, sorry. Um, I got an email from Gene that there's a Magic Girl at the the Museum of Pinball. Now I believe that is my Magic Girl that arrived in California. So if you ever wanna go see Magic Girl, it is there. Uh, let's see, I got an email from Kevin Kaizik. Kevin, thank you for, for emailing me. He said, hey, Chris, I think an interview with your brother about his thoughts on your podcast and the pinball hobby would be interesting and probably pretty humorous for his comments below. So he, he posted a screenshot. My brother trolls me like no other and thinks what I do in this hobby is absolutely stupid and idiotic. And my brother is more of a sarcastic troll than I am. So I wanna get him on. I think it would be funny. He would just absolutely like, totally ripped this hobby a new asshole. And I think you guys would would find it hilarious. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode 212 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I have to get to work. I hope you enjoy listening to this podcast on a weekly basis. Uh, I will be at TPF in a little over a week and a half. And look, there's not much news. So we might not do as many uh, shows leading up to then, but I might get some people on to interview about what we think is going to come out of TPF. until then, everyone let's end with a little laughter from our amazing head-to-head pinball lap tracks <laughs> excited. <laughs> <laughs> It's <laughs> making Stop it! I sound like I'm going to the toilet. I'm